This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, my longtime buddy and former baseball teammate with the newer show Robbins, Drew Marino, alerted me to an interview that aired recently on CNBC. Now, the interview focused on the booming growth in this country of youth sports. It's now estimated to be a $17 billion industry, that's billion with a B, and it continues to grow rapidly. Now, you might recall that a couple years ago, Time Magazine had a cover story about youth sports being a $15 billion industry in the United States. In fact, I recall having the journalist who wrote that piece, Sean Gregory, come on the show to discuss this extraordinary number, and now that number has grown even larger to $17 billion. So on today's show, I, I want to talk about these trends, and, and I want to try and tie these trends together, and of course, uh, get your thoughts as always as to where we are heading with all this, with this boom in youth sports, and whether or not this is all healthy and good for our kids and their development. And of course, our number is one 337 6666 Let me start with this. All over the country, There are literally dozens of communities and towns which are very much aware that sports tournaments and showcase events attract sports parents with deep pockets. We know that middle class and upper upper class moms and dads, well, let's face it, spend pretty much any amount of money to help promote and to showcase their youngster uh, when it comes to their athletic development. And so many communities have planned and organized major sports venues in which to attract major youth tournament events in order to generate local income and revenue for their towns and communities. Now, look, for any mom or dad, any parent who has a youngster playing travel or club sports or plays a kid plays on a showcase team, you already know all this. Why? Because when you and your youngster are traveling all over, to play in a soccer or baseball or softball or basketball or lacrosse tournament anywhere in this country. Well, of course, you need to either drive or to fly there. You then stay in that hotel for several days near the facility. You, of course, eat in the local restaurants. And, of course, you pay for all this, the the fee, to participate in that sports venue and that showcase. Now, of course, Let's take a step back. This is all free market capitalism. It's all entrepreneurialism, and that's all good. In fact, one of the leading firms in this in this area is called Sports Facility Advisory, and it has a sister company called Sports Facility Management. 
Now, very simply, uh, these two operations are often hired by a local town uh, to build massive sports facilities uh, and do so with local money pouring in. And then once these sports venues are built, sports facility management runs them for the town as well. In fact, the CEO of this highly successful operation, Dev Pathik, was being interviewed on CNBC. And ironically, he was pointing out that this trend to build these massive venues to build up local revenue is basically causing kids from the lower economic backgrounds whose parents can't afford to be on travel or showcase teams. Well, they miss out because they can't pay the price. Pathik also pointed out that those kids, other kids who miss out, are, are ones who, who don't basically ever really progress in sports. They, they fall back in terms of their athletic development. And since physical education and rec programs are being more and more minimized in schools and in towns, a good chunk of our kids are being marginalized. Now, that struck me as curious and odd. Why not just build big sports venues for all the local kids to use and then charge them anything at all. I mean, wouldn't that be a much better, a much more practical and fairer solution? But of course, if you did that, well, there's no driving force to build these giant sports venues as they cost millions and millions of dollars. Now, on top of all this, this CEO from a sports facility advisory, he mentioned that one of the main drivers in building huge baseball facilities is a well-known baseball recruiting and showcase company called Perfect Game. We've talked about Perfect Game on the show many times in the past. In fact, this CEO said that Perfect Game, which is booming in terms of its business, is currently building an $800 million showcase, a baseball facility in Texas. It's all designed so that youth baseball teams from all over the country can come in, uh, show off their players, showcase the kids, high school kids, and theoretically do so in front of pro scouts and college coaches. And, of course, who pays the tab? The parents pick the whole thing up. Now, when we get to the point now where youth sports in this country, and I'm talking about obviously everything from middle school, travel, high school, club teams, showcase teams, tournament teams, this is where we are now. We're at a $17 billion high in terms of the monies that are being generated and going out to various people's pockets. As I said, I find all this to be, I don't know, a little unsettling. Where are we going with all this? Are we just going to basically make sports the, the domain of, of the kids who happen to be born into families where the parents have, have money and the resources to pay for all this? Are we at a point now where we're just looking at kids going through all the process here where only the very, very, very best kids when they're 10 or 11 are basically funneled off and segregated from everybody else, and they go on to have the chance to play sports uh, in these various venues? I mean, are we spending too much of our time and money in building these you know, facilities? And you know what I'm talking about. They're all over the country now where they have perhaps, oh, I don't know, maybe eight or ten baseball diamonds, a uh, similar number of softball facilities, uh, t- you know, dozens of basketball uh, courts, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth all to basically work as a showcase for, for these, these programs. You know, and I said a couple of weeks ago on the show, let's face it now, if your kid is a going if you have dreams for your kid to be an athlete, then they better be in a travel team by the time they're 10 or 11. And that to me is a, just a huge, huge, you know, sea change in terms of where we are in terms of sports in this country. Mom and dad, if your kid has a reasonable amount of athletic skill, 
you need to be prepared financially to shell out even more and more dollars if they're going to go on to play in places like Perfect Game and, and other uh, showcase tournaments. Simple as that. Uh, and the other part of all this is this. Going back to Perfect Game and baseball, baseball around the Northeast, and we know this for several years now, the sport is beginning to fade at the youth level. I keep reading all over the place that they, they're most little leagues and youth leagues, they can't get enough kids to play Little League Baseball anymore because kids don't want to play baseball. Is it because the sport is just too difficult to master at a young age? Is it because the Northeast had such lousy weather in the spring and the kids don't want to go out and play in the cold? I mean, so if baseball is dying in the Northeast and it's booming elsewhere, why are all these towns building all these various showcases for kids to play baseball so the parents come with their, the kids and their travel teams. one 337 6666 Let's start our conversation this morning with our friend Ed over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. I'm curious to get your thoughts about this stuff, Ed. Well, right now I'm at Cavan Point in um, Jersey City because I'm running a, a college prospect team showcase today. Mm-hmm. So, and again, uh, these are the teams that I have that are here aren't teams that, that really go to Georgia at all. They're teams that um they're, they're teams from, you know, the tri state area. But we got colleges from like D one, D two and D three working. Mm-hmm. But not only that, Rick, you're talking about the travel baseball with perfect game. There's another group out there called Prep Baseball Report. They've they've started a a, a thing where they, they do showcases all over and they kind of bought out the, the, the facility in Georgia yeah, I, where Perfect Game used to have their events, and now they're going to be doing stuff. So there's going to be a lot of competition on that. But what people have to realize is this. Whatever it costs the team, the money that they're going to shout to go to these show, big showcase events with travel, it's going to almost cost, it could cost anywhere from three to five grand a week. That's correct. food, hotels. You know, if you're going to bring other members of the family, it, it becomes pretty expensive. And, and uh, I, you know, the, th- the thing is, too, people have to realize, are their kids really that good where they could play at these elite schools? Or is it better to stay local and go to local events where, where you could be seen and that might be the, the right ability level that you could play at? Again, these are things that people have to understand. And not only that, Rick, they have to realize their baseball ability. One of the things that's really important, Rick, and, and parents have to understand this, there's a lot of travel teams out there that sell a lot of bill of goods. They, they, they're not realistic with a lot of things. They got what they really have to do. Parents have to really, really do their homework and investigate on programs. You know, because if they don't, the teams that are selling a bill of goods, you know, they're not, they're not going to come through what they promised for, for a certain athlete. Ed, I, I, everything you say I agree with, and, and I, I just want to underscore uh, to parents how, much, how important it is for them to do their homework because you just said, yeah, the, these, these events, I mean, I've talked to parents uh, this summer and this past spring, you know, this, to have a kid play on a showcase team, uh, which is not a team that necessarily plays in a league, they just go to various showcase events around the country. That's, well, that I, what, what I'm going to tell you with our organization, I, I, I'm with, involved with Baseball U North Jersey. Yeah, um, it's, it's 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 part of a franchise of baseball. You, what we do at our organization, we pick certain events to go to on weekends. On Wednesday nights, we either have a practice or we play in an independent game with other travel organizations. 
on that. And be honest, the furthest that we've gone all year, like my team, we've gone to Mansfield, Pennsylvania. So you're talking three and a half hours. Right. We're not going all over the country to showcase all of our kids because, to be honest, we don't have that type of kid on that. And uh, you know what? And it, 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 it becomes a realistic factor for these parents and for these kids. And that, that's the important fact. Ed, I hear you loud and clear, and thank you, as always, for checking in. I, I think your insights are right on, right on target, Ed. Rick, stay cool today, big guy. Talk to you soon, Ed. Thank you. And, and, All right, bye. And, and Ed's points are exactly where I, I, I try to caution parents all the time about this. You're going to have to get a, 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 as best you can to totally do your homework on these programs because it's the wild, wild west. You don't know what you're buying necessarily. They make a lot of promises. They make they have a lot of slick, uh, you know, websites and brochures. But you got to do your homework. All right, let me, let me take a pause right here. When I come back, I want to continue talking about this, and we'll talk about the heat as well and, and all that stuff too. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. That is our number. John Minko has your update. When I return, I'll go right back to your calls. And welcome back to Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Right now, we're talking about the unbelievable growth of youth sports in this country. Uh, according to a recent report that aired on CNBC, it is now up to $17 billion, billion with a B, in terms of what's happening with the, uh, the just a booming uh, explosion of monies involved with our kids playing sports. Kids playing sports theoretically to have fun, to, to do develop a sense of uh, team camaraderie and so on and so forth. But we all know anybody who's got a kid playing sports who is involved as a coach or administrator, you all know this is all about big, making big bucks these days. And we're talking about uh, the fact that a lot of this is shown by the tremendous, uh, extraordinary development in towns all over the country building these gigantic sports venues in which they're being designed to host these youth sports tournaments, showcases, Whatever it might be, whenever it's sport, baseball, softball, lacrosse, soccer, you name it, it's all about making money. And somebody has obviously figured out, well, you know, if we have a big, big facility here, uh, we can get kids that come down to our town. Uh, and, and obviously, whether it's in Georgia or South Carolina, uh, in Texas, uh, whatever they're built, uh, these places are just doing big business. Uh, obviously, it's all being paid for basically from the source, from the parents who are funneling all this money. You know, to me, and maybe you guys already know this as well, to me, these days, parents just take tremendous pride in, in basically telling their friends and colleagues that their 14-year-old kid is playing on a team that isn't necessarily playing in a league uh, in the summertime, but rather he or she is playing on a travel team that that is competing in various tournament showcases. It's become like a status symbol to say, yeah, well, you know, my kid is obviously a rising star because this Saturday they're going to be in Atlanta. Next weekend they're going to be in, in Jacksonville. Then they're going to be in Buffalo. I mean, really? I mean, this is, I mean, this, really? And this is what it's, and it's costing thousands and thousands of dollars. All right, one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Where is this all going? Let's go to uh, let's go to Gary over in Colts Neck. Hey, Gary, you're next up on the fan. Hey, good morning, Rick. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, enjoy listening to you. It's awesome. Uh, listen, I'm I'm a middle-aged guy, and, you know, I've always played sports. Three older brothers. Did my coach with my three kids with their friends. 
and it, it's crazy how life has changed. You know, it was so cool when we were younger to play Little League, Babe Ruth. We're missing all that. So, like, in my town, for instance, we have, like, no Little League anymore because they're taking all these kids away from the travel. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because you've got to build up your Little League. You see, kids want to just play and have fun. At the end of the day, they go play this travel sports. Guess what happens? These kids don't perform maybe to their parents' liking, especially the fathers. And guess what? These kids, they don't like the car ride home. We're missing all that. They're playing games, uh, Xbox, this, that. You know what? It's got to get back to the old days, man. It's just things are different. That's why we're losing kids in numbers. There's just not enough kids playing youth sports, meaning forget about travel. I don't think travel really makes you that much better than a kid that wants to play. I just I, I think it helps some, but bottom line is you got to keep it fun for these young kids so they come back to high school and play. Mostly kids don't even want to play in high school. Uh, They're on to something else. So Gary, that's pretty much what I've seen. Well, I think you're, you're absolutely correct, uh, and thank you for the call this morning, Gary. The, the thing is, when kids go out and play on these uh, these showcase tournaments or, and travel things, as Gary points out, that you know, and maybe this is the the, the sort of like the, the 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 silver lining in all this. When kids get to be thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and they're looking at the competition from around other showcase teams and other players, maybe they wake up and say, "You know, I'm not as good as I thought I was, and maybe this is not going to be the answer." These guys I'm competing against, they're better than I am. Parents may not see it that way. Parents might say, well, actually, you just need more coaching. You need more more private tutoring. You need this and that. You need to go out and work harder at your game. But it, it the whole element of fun and enjoyment gets squeezed out of the equation. And as Gary points out, a lot of kids get to be, you know, uh, freshman, sophomore year and say, yeah, I don't want to do this. It's not so what anymore. I don't. It's not, not fun for me. That's one of the side effects of this tremendous emphasis, at least from my opinion, of this emphasis upon you know, youth sports and a tremendous amount of pressure to go out and compete and, and play in these showcase tournaments. Let's go on to uh, Jimmy in Asbury Park. Hey, Jimmy, good morning. You're on the fan. Hi, good morning, Rick. Um, we missed you over at the uh, Ani Ramos uh, baseball dinner a couple of weeks ago. They I, said you were on vacation. I you was. And I, by. Jimmy, I heard that was just great. I had, I had a great turnout for Ani, and, and uh, I'm glad that Jack Smithlin was there to speak as well. I, I gather it was just a tremendous, uh, a tremendous occasion. Yeah, just a heads up for any of the guys that got a uh, a son that's a catcher. Ani Ramos is probably, in my opinion, one of the best guys to to go to, and uh, he he really uh, emphasizes getting good grades uh, over uh, pure athletic ability, and 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 that helped my son tremendously when he got recruited. So, good grades are important, and and if you happen to get with a mentor who stresses that. You know, it's so much more important than Dad saying it. <laughs> well, didn't didn't Ani have? Uh, I just heard that he had not he had not he, the starting catcher at UNC this year was one of Ani's guys, and also the starting catcher at Notre Dame, also an Ani uh, protege. Is that correct? Oh yeah. Well, uh, my son just graduated uh, last month from uh, Don Bosco, and and everybody that was in his class got got recruited. You know, all different levels. But um, what I wanted to say is, you know, something that I noticed with um, my son's recruiting, I think some parents that, that we know put too much faith in their high school coach or their travel team coach trying to get their son recruited. And, and I think that's a mistake. 
you know, guys used to laugh at me because I, I would, you know, put together reels and, and, and coach my son, you know, and this and that and send his reels out. And I'd also trained him to send things out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those same guys were, were coming up to me later when, when their sons weren't getting any interest in saying, uh, well, we thought our coach was going to do it or the travel team guy, you know, made us all sorts of promises. You know, you, you, there's no substitute for, for training your son to do these things and, and take an interest in, in his own, you know, future and don't rely on other people. Well, Jimmy, you're right. I mean, it's, uh, it is naive to expect that your, your son's high school coach, baseball coach, is going to go out and reach out on his behalf. Same with the travel team coach. Um, but tell me, in your son's case, how did you do it? How did he do it? Did he send out uh, emails to the coaches that he, that, of the schools where he wanted to, uh, to attend? Ab- absolutely. And we cast a, a pretty uh, wide net. But I also trained him to do the emails, to, to, to make his videos and, 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 and do, do all those types of contacts and send a personal letter. And, you know, I, I could tell you this, my, my son's college coach, I don't even think he's, he's spoken to his high school coach mm-hmm. because he recruited him on, you know, with his eyes and, and, and with his projections and, and after meeting him, and seeing what kind of a young man he is, you know, then, then, then they, you know, he told me that's how I make a decision. I just don't go by, you know, a stat sheet or, you know, uh, a high school coach is always going to, you know, tell uh, a college coach, you got the next Mickey Mantle, you know. <laughs> they, 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 <laughs> but that's what happens, you know? you know. I mean, Jimmy, we both know, everybody knows this, that uh, the stats in high school baseball are always suspect. It's usually a kid on the bench who's keeping the books. You never know if it's really a legit hit or not a hit, whatever. Uh, everybody, every coach knows to keep the parents uh, at arm's length. That Every kid's going to make all league by the time they're a senior. Uh, I talked about this in the show a few weeks ago, that, you know, making all state. I mean, there, there were literally... Uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of kids who make all state and their sport. It, it does. The college coaches know all that's all just a, a facade and it's meaningless. They want to hear from the kid. They want to see the kid in person. They want to talk to the yeah. kid and see what the kid, what kind of talent they have. I mean, you, you really, college coaches, since their jobs depend upon winning, they want to know exactly what they're getting in because every kid in the team is all this and all that. It's as simple as that. Uh, they- yeah, they want to know how the kid is going to handle if he's not starting every inning of every game like he did in high school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. You know, is he going <laughs> to pout on the bench and, well, and what, you know, <laughs> be a... Uh... The first thing they're going to do, Jimmy, is they're going to say, well, I'm going to transfer out of here. That's what. That's the usual reaction. So Right, 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 right. <laughs> Anyhow, thanks yeah. for the call. Let me get some other calls in, Jimmy. Thank you. Have a good one. Take care. That's, uh, and, that's a good, and Jimmy made some good points. You know, he's trained his son to basically market it himself to college coaches. And you know what? That may sound a little passe or old-fashioned or naive, but you know what? If I'm a college coach and I get an email from a kid who puts together their own highlight reel and says, I'm interested in your program and here's what I can do, I'm going to pay attention to that. Uh, No guarantee I'm going to try to recruit the kid, but I'm going to pay attention to a kid who's obviously trying to make it on his own and, and basically trying to basically market himself to my college program. Let's go to uh, Eastchester. Joe, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. Uh, three quick points uh, yeah. or ideas. First is I have girls, and they play multiple sports. Softball is their 
main sport. I have also managed and coached in the Little League for 20 years. The first thought I have is that I believe from my observations over the years that if a kid in any sport is going to excel, the, the college coaches will find them outside of, uh, coming out of high school. They're, 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 they're going to make their presence felt. They're going to be known, and they'll find them. Mm-hmm. I have seen, uh, and it's been interesting, my two oldest daughters played one season of travel softball. And uh, knowing how it works, there's a lot of time, expense involved. And I've seen over the years, even starting from 8, 9, 10 years old, of the time and expense that's been put into kids to uh, make these kids play. And I've seen two things happen. Number one, I've seen multiple high-level softball players get to high school and just refuse to play anymore. They were burnt out. They just couldn't take it anymore. They said, I don't want to play. Right, burnout is real. The second is that... You know, we always find it interesting that you know, a lot of this is driven by being recruited by uh, colleges. And my wife and I always chuckle a little bit because, uh, you know, if kids like the sport, they want to play, that's great. And I always think that playing sports, especially today, given the alternatives that kids could spend their time uh, with, is a good thing more than ever. But uh, given the amount of time and expense, my God, some of these parents could pay for a whole college tuition with the amount of money they spend on these kids playing in these multiple tournament uh, traveling dates and uh, showcases. And, you know, you don't want to discourage anybody, but I don't know that that really gets to, to where they think they might want to go. And I think it's detrimental to the kids. Joe, I, I hear you. And I, again, I, you echo my sentiments uh, exactly. And thank you for the call. Uh, you know, uh, to, to Joe's point, and this is something I think uh, I've observed and I know other people uh, who are, whose opinions I respect as well, have said the same thing. Yeah, I said, it's become like a status symbol. If your kid is, is a ball player, uh, you know, you see them, they are, the, apparently the, 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 for the parents to have their kid to be saying, well, I'm going down, flying here for a tournament, going here to a tournament for a showcase, so on and so forth. You look at the kids, and by the time they're in high school or they're 15, 16 years old, geez, they, 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 they look like they're decked out like major leaguers. They have the, the most up-to-date uniforms and, and gear and, and uh, accoutrements and this and that. They look like, wow, these kids really know what they're doing. And then you go out and you watch them actually play, and they can't catch a fly ball in the outfield. They don't know how to, how to shield the sun from their eyes. Uh, they take big cuts at the plate and strike out. They don't know how to make an adjustment. It's almost though they're all dressed up to the nines, and yet nobody's actually taught them how to play the game but here they are in showcases because mom and dad thinks that's a big deal, and somehow they're going to get picked up and get a college scholarship or go pro. And it's just bizarre. Uh, and as Joe pointed out, you know, a lot of money could be spent to better better utilize to save for college tuitions because guess what? Your kid's not going to get a college scholarship to play ball. As simple as that. All right, let me take a pause. When I return, I'll go right back to your calls. Stay with me. Hey, let me remind you that at 9 o'clock following the Sports Edge, it's at Randall talking baseball at 9. And, of course, it is Hall of Fame Day. And, of course, it's a, it'll be hot and steamy up in Cooperstown. But just a beautiful day for baseball. And I just want to remind you, obviously, everybody's talking about the heat and the humidity, you know, temperature over 90 degrees. Baseball players in particular, well, we love it when it's hot and sweaty. Uh, it's as simple as that. 
Uh, and by the way, I just want to remind you, you can always uh, follow me at hashtag AskCoachWolf on Twitter or go to AskCoachWolf.com. You know, and speaking of heat coaches and parents, you know, when it's this hot, common sense is the rule. Lots of breaks for your kids, hydration. Uh, I can recall back in the dark ages when I was in high school in August football practice, we were in full pads in the heat twice a day. Uh, you weren't any allowed any breaks for, uh, for water or for shade. Uh, thank goodness we have evolved uh, as a sports society beyond those dangerous days. You know, and speaking of heat, I was out actually walking yesterday after in the heat listening to the Yankees game, uh, doing my three miles, and, and I was listening to John Sterling and Susan Waldman talking about baseball players in the heat, and it brought back memories of when I played in the Western Carolinas League in South Carolina. I recall having to play in a split doubleheader on the 4th of July. Let me, let me assure you, it's hot and sweaty in July and August uh, in, in the Western Carolinas. Uh, anyhow, the first game on that 4th of July was at noon in Greenwood, South Carolina, which is about uh, 30 minutes by, by old yellow school bus from Anderson, South Carolina. That's where I played. We wore flannel uniforms in those days, and it was 90 degrees by noon, no shade in the ballpark. End of the game, we all got back on the bus. <laughs> it was hot. Went back to Anderson, and we played another game that night in Anderson starting at 6 o'clock. I mean, I was tired and sweaty, uh, and after that second game was over, I just went into the showers and showered with my uniform on. It's as simple as that. But ball players find a way to cope with the heat and the humidity. Again, it's much preferable uh, to always play when it's 90 degrees as opposed to those days in the spring when it's 38 and the skies are cloudy and there's a cold and brisk wind at your back. Ball players love to sweat. That's how baseball as to be played, at least I always saw it that way. Okay, let's get back to our topic this morning about about the, the growth of sports, youth sports, and what parents are doing to funnel all this. Let's continue to talk with uh, Mike over in Dumont, New Jersey. Mike, you're next up on the fan. Oh, hey, how you doing? Yeah, uh, Mike, how are you? Uh, good, good. I just wanted to offer some, uh, well, my insight, um, I coach college, um, I do some recruiting myself, um, and the biggest thing for me is have a tool to be recruited. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, you, if you're not good enough as your current state to play in college or have a tool in college, spend your money, whether you're going to a gym, going to see personal training, um, and getting to the point where college coaches legitimately want you. Um, the one thing I tell to my kids, I said, don't, don't try to be the exception. If, if, if every single pitcher that's getting recruited to Seton Hall throws 88 miles an hour and you throw 82, don't don't plan to be the exception. Train to train to be the rule. So if they want guys who are throwing that hard or guys that can run that fast, be able to do that. So when you do show up um, to those camps and showcases, that you're able to produce what they want you to, so you can get recruited. Yeah, but Mike, how how do you do that though? If you're a kid throwing 82, and you know they're looking for kids throwing 88, how how are you gonna how are you gonna fake that? Um, honestly, uh, you just need to spend your time in player development. There's so much uh, resources um, and biomechanics for kids to read um, and get involved with, um, and there's so many great personal trainers out there um, that can really get to get you where you want to go. Um, and co- and also, a lot of these times where you go to these facilities, they have such good connections. Um, I'd, I'd take that kid to throws 82, but that's going to work hard every day and that shows and, and cares about their own development. Um, just like you as a broadcaster, um, as, a, as a radio host, when, when you're trying and you're doing your best and you're going overnights and you're grinding away, as you slip up and 
and you, you stumble or say um a couple of times, it's okay because you're working hard. If, if you just think you know everything and you show up and you're big time, then no one's really going to want to listen to you or kind of hear what you have to say. I hear what you say, Mike, and I, I appreciate that as well. Uh, the only concern I have is that, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a kid who's going to throw at 82 and you do work with, you know, to, to, uh, with trainers or, or coaches to get to throw a little harder, I do think you may be setting yourself up for failure if you try to throw at 88 or 89 just because they may not be in the cards for you. You might be better off saying, look, this is, this is my God-given ability. I stay at 82, 83, 84, but I'm going to work on other parts of my game that are going to distinguish me, such as throwing strikes, changing speeds, uh, you know, getting the batters off balance. That might be a better way to approach this than just trying to go out and do a full max, you know, at a full velocity. Oh, yeah, and my, my last point, and I'll let you go, um, I appreciate it again for taking my call, is know what you're doing, too. Um, I drive a, a 2004 Volvo. I'm not going to take it to a car show. Um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a guy that doesn't have a ton of talent but are good enough to play college, don't waste your time going to Division One camps. Right. Go to some Division Three, Division II. Um, those schools are great academic schools, usually. Um, and I, I went to a Division Three school myself and got a chance to play professionally from it. And... It was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had, and I never really thought about Division Three until Division One wasn't a possibility. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I hear you, Mike. And I, it's a it's a great way. Thank I, you. You bet, Mike. And I appreciate that because, after all, especially in New Jersey, there are any number of D three baseball programs which are top flight. And uh, as Mike said, yeah, you can go if you if you play to D three school and get some playing time and and show your abilities, you might get a chance to go to play pro ball. Scouts don't care whether you play D1, D2, D3, or JUCO. They want to see what you can do. It's as simple as that. Let's move on to uh, to Bayonne, and Bob is standing by. Hey, Bob, you're on the fan. Hey, Rick, this uh, obviously could be a three-hour talk. It's such a good topic. Um, I was the president. I founded, co-founded a baseball league about 20 years ago in Bayonne. Yep. Um, along with a, with a bunch of really good guys. So I, I was the president for 20 years. So I have some good insight on the youth, um, the youth movement. And I also have a son who's a division one player in, at, at old dominion. So I also have some background with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, in, in the past, you know, you had 20 years ago, you know, we were fortunate to have great board members and great coaches, guys that didn't even have kids in the program. Mm-hmm. And, and today what's happened with the youth leagues is that the coaching is not as solid. These are, you know, the fathers are well-meaning. I mean, they're, they're, anybody volunteers should be applauded, but they might not know the game well. They might not teach it well. So what happens is the better players are foregoing the rec programs, and they're going right to travel, and it's a it's a travesty. It's you know the, the kids lose out on all that camaraderie, you know, playing with his school kids and, and such, and and that's the big problem. The coaching is just not there, and, and here's what's happening too, Rick, as you as you know. The, the, the travel programs are even becoming glorified rec programs because <laughs> some of those guys are now, you know. Uh, Bob, now, this you is... Know, you have a kid, you're starting a travel program, and then all of a sudden you see these, these facilities filled up, you know, with teams that, are, that you look at and go, man, my rec team could beat this team. So Bob, just, this, is, this is... Let me stop you there because you're absolutely right. I mean, the fact is that the, the, the coaching... Uh, unfortunately, has become more and more watered down. Not just yeah. at the at the at the youth level, the, the 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 rec programs, but also, as you said, the travel teams. Because anybody can start a, a travel program, they pop up like mushrooms everywhere. And yeah. again, the coaching isn't there as it used to be. 
And you say, what the heck's going on here? This must be an elite travel team. No, it's just one of many travel teams in this town. It's, it's a real concern. Bob, thank you for the call because, you know, Bob's right. This is what's going on. And so everybody says, well, the best coaching must be in the elite showcase programs. And how do you find which one's the right one? And how much is that going to cost? $10,000 a summer? I mean, that's what these things cost. Really? Are you going to put that kind of money into your kid's baseball uh, program when they're 14 years old just to see how good they are compared to other kids from other states? I mean, it really is. Again, I go back to caveat emptor. Buyer beware. All right, let me take a timeout. I'll be back. Stay with me. So here's the original question I asked this morning, and that is, okay, uh, we know that youth sports as an industry continues to grow exponentially. It's now up to $17 billion a year as an industry. That's unbelievable. I mean, it just seems to just keep spiraling and spiraling out of control. The question I have is, when does this begin to finally sort of plateau out? Or does it never plateau out? We just continue to go down this this pathway in which youth sports, it's all about getting our kids to accelerate their development uh, at earlier and earlier ages. The parents spend tens of thousands of dollars to see if their kid's going to be good enough to get a small scholarship for college and maybe go pro. I mean, remember, as I say all the time, there are millions of kids in this country who are playing sports. All of them and their parents have the same dream as you do that their kid's going to be the next superstar athlete. But the fact is we know that you know, less than 2% will ever go on to get any kind of college scholarship. Again, less than 2% will get a college scholarship, and that scholarship is going to be tiny. It's going to be small. Wouldn't be better off just letting your kid play sports, enjoy themselves, and you know, save that, that showcase money uh, that you're spending on them to, to perhaps pay for college? Wouldn't that make more sense financially? You know, again, this is difficult because I know it's a huge emotional thing for most moms and dads to say, well, I got to give my kid every opportunity to go out and and see what they can do in terms of their sports career. But in the long run, you got to make your mind up fairly soon when they're in school as to whether or not this is the right and the smart way to prepare them for the rest of their lives. It's as simple as that. It's difficult. I understand that. But boy, oh boy, it's a lot of money to see your kids see you know, go back there and say, yeah, you know, I'm just not going to be good enough to get a college scholarship. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. I wish I had more time to take more of your calls, but I got to get out of here for Ed Randall. My thanks this morning to Matt Casey. Please stick around for Ed. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.